Uh, church family, you may remember this movie that was one of my favorites as a child. I've always loved um, sci-fi. I've always loved things that were not in the regular, like, ordinary kind of line of thinking. And so there was a movie called Back to the Future. That was my movie. That was my movie. And they had Back to the Future, like, one, two, three, four, my, maybe up to 18. I don't, I don't remember. I got lost in a few of them, but I remember maybe the second or third one where one of the key villains in the movie's name was Biff, and uh, <laughs> word to the wise, don't name your child Biff, um, and so Biff had this experience where the Biff that was older came back in time, told the younger Biff, hey, I've got this book. This book tells you every race, every game, every event. And if you just bet on each of these events, we're going to be millionaires. We're going to be filthy rich. So you go into the future, and Biff is filthy rich. But young Biff was the one who trusted and believed in the authority of old Biff. He was willing to place bets, willing to put it out there on the line, willing to take the risk because he believed in this voice, this word, this person of authority. You, 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 you see it in a sci-fi movie. I also was watching some other TV show that was a, a, a crime documentary. And there were some mob folks, maybe some Detroiters, we don't know, but there were some mob folks that said, we have always had a hand in how things play out. And sports is a major one. Say, so unfortunately, the ills of society happen where an individual owns us money and they can't pay. And what we will say is, well, you happen to be the running back for the New York Lions. Or you happen to be the running back. Ooh, I'm, I'm so thankful. Ken ain't here. Ken stepped out for a second. He would have he tackled me right there. Boom. <laughs> the New York Giants, you know, or the Seattle Seahawks. I know a couple, couple teams. And what they would say is, well, hey, you can't pay it, so this is what you're going to do. Second quarter, you're going to fumble. Fourth quarter, you're going to fumble. And we are sure you're going to fumble because if you don't fumble, you'll be feeling the pain some other ways. And there would be people who they would then go say down to Vegas, would you go and put all the money on second quarter and fourth quarter? Trust me, it's going to make you a lot of money. Somehow when we are sure of a certain thing and we trust certain authorities, people are willing at times to wager it all. Jesus is speaking to us in Matthew chapter 28. He says, I am this great authority and I'm expecting you to weigh your whole life on it. Because I'm a sure thing. I'm a, I'm a word that you can trust. I'm something worth putting your whole life on. So if you will turn with me, we're going to see this voice of authority come through and what it means for the people of God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. And in your spare time, go watch Back to the Future 8. 
Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 16. And Micah, just letting you know, I got your prayer request for your teacher. We're going to be praying for her. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. When somebody gets there, can you let me know what page that is? 1422. Now, before we start in verse 16, I've got to give you a little bit of background. The disciples are coming into a, a, a pretty uh, traumatic situation. They've had a pretty traumatic ordeal. They've just watched their hopes kind of crumble. They've saw the dreams that they had maybe shatter. The leader, their rabbi, their friend, Jesus, was murdered. And in, although they did not fully understand all these different sayings that he would have, uh, they were certain it wasn't supposed to end like this. It wasn't supposed to end in death. It wasn't supposed to end with his body being taken down, wrapped up, and put in a, in a tomb and sealed. It wasn't supposed to end like that. But then their sorrows would become rejoicing. Their grief would become gladness because they got a chance to see their friend, their Lord, the risen Savior, and they got to see his physical presence. They got a chance to, to grab his feet. They got a chance to, to touch him, and they got a chance to worship him. And then he says to them, now that you've had a chance to see me, I want y'all to meet me at Galilee. At Galilee. All right, starting in verse 16 says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you, I, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This place of Galilee. Sometimes when you hear a term, you hear a location, it'll, it'll stand out to you. If I ask you, if I say, hey, let's meet at the YMCA, what do you assume we're going to do? Might, might work out. If I say meet me at Pizza Populous, we about to work out in a very different way. It's about to go down. You know, the, the location has a little bit of a connotation. You can kind of expect certain things are going to take place. Galilee was, was one of those places where Jesus had walked on water. It's also a place where Jesus had grabbed Andrew and he grabbed Peter and he made them fishers of men. It was a place where John had baptized Jesus. It was a place where Jesus had fed masses with a few loaves and some fish. It was also the place where Jesus did this, gave his sermon on the mount. So Galilee has some significant experiences, and you can bet there's about to be another significant experience take place. Verse 16, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So, so the group that is with him is the 11. 
But that 11 now have this interesting experience because they worship him and they celebrate him. But then some of the 11 have some doubts. I, I like this. And my wife and I, to our, our brother Vince Bantu, he was like, hey, man, you can say what you want. But the Bible is the only ancient Near Eastern text that shows the failures of its heroes. Most of the time, when you talk about somebody, you say all the good things. You don't usually include the bad stuff, too, when you want somebody to follow them. Yeah, great guy. Man, but he messed up all the money. You should be like him. She was, she was an awesome person, but she used to lie so much. And let me tell you about the lie I caught her in. Go be like her. The Bible is quite clear that people, even, even as they look like Christ, have their shortcomings, and we see the 11 have a shortcoming. It's one of doubt. We don't know how many of them were the doubting ones. There were some that worshipped, no doubt at all, some that had doubt. But the doubt here is not a doubt where it's like they were ready to walk away and turn from Christ. No, it was a doubt of, 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 of taking your eye off the mark, the doubt of questioning, the doubt of like uncertainty, the doubt of maybe I just experienced God in my presence and I don't know what, to, what, what do I do with a holy God. Some people throughout the Bible would hit the ground and lay flat. Some would start singing. Some would throw their arms up. What would you do if God's presence just showed up? You might not be like, oh, holy, there is no one. You might be out the back door. And when you get halfway down the street, you're like, wait, wait, wait. That was actually what I prayed for. I had been asking God to fill me, to show himself, and he did. Okay, let me head back. You see, we can understand what doubting is, even from a place of faith. The other place where we see this term doubt used is with Peter, who's focused on Jesus, steps out the boat, sees the storm coming. What, 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 what? And Jesus says to you, why did you doubt, Peter? Peter wasn't rejecting Jesus and ready to take off, but for a moment, he got off the focus. And I pray that you know you are in a safe space with a loving God when you at times get off focus. It doesn't mean that you're, you're not a person of faith. It doesn't mean you need to abandon everything. We all have doubts to varying degrees at some point. And maybe that's at times a sign that you're walking with and trusting God for something that's beyond you. Because when you do stuff that's beyond you, sometimes you like, God, you still with me? <laughs> you told me to go say this to my boss, and it's not going the way I thought. You still there? Was I just hearing that when I was eating Fruit Loops this morning? You, you start to question even the, lead, even the guy, even the voice that you heard at times. We see the 11 walking closely with Jesus, having some doubt, but that doubt doesn't stop them from loving him, doesn't stop them from being with him, doesn't stop and cancel out their 
faithfulness. There was a brother named, uh, excuse me, named G. Campbell Morgan. Says that uh, he had already enjoyed some success as a preacher by the time he was 19 years old. But then he was attacked by doubts about the Bible. The writings of various scientists and agnostics disturbed him. Charles Darwin, John Tyndall, Thomas Huxley, Herbert Spencer. As he read their books and listened to the debates, Morgan became more and more perplexed. What did he do? He canceled all his preaching engagements. He put engagements. He put all the books in a cupboard and locked the door, and he went to the bookstore and bought a new Bible. He said to himself, I am no longer sure that this is what my father claims it to be, the word of God, but of this I am sure. If it be the word of God, and if I come to it with an unprejudiced open mind, it will bring assurance to my soul. The result, he says, the Bible found me. The new assurance that he had in 1883 gave him motivation for his preaching and teaching ministry, and he devoted himself to the study and the preaching of God's word. Maybe you're getting off the mark a little bit. Maybe you're at the point where you feel like, I'm ready to walk away from this faith. Wherever you may be in the doubt spectrum, our hope, our prayer for you here at Mac is that you would not draw away from God, but lean into him more and say, God, I'm going to take you at your word. If you are real, then I'm asking you to show up in my life as I pursue you. I'm sure he's going to show up. I believe he'll meet you there. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will, surely I am with you always to the end, to the very end of the age. Jesus, this, this, this God man, He existed before time. He was present before any type of space or matter was created. Before your first birthday and your last laugh, God was, is, forever will be. So God had this interesting thing take place. Before he had creation, Jesus had all things. He had all power. He had all authority. And then he decided to love us. And in a loving act, he takes on flesh. And in doing so, he veils back, he holds back. There's a limited amount of his authority because now he is in human form. And it's not limited in the fact that he can't access it, but the same glory that that radiated before all of creation now is captured into the God-man, now is captured into Jesus in the flesh. So we see in this verse that what happens here is that we get another model of the beautiful, loving relationship of the Trinity. Look what it says in 18. Then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, given to me. That the father now says, "Okay, my son, before all of creation, you had all authority. 
when you were on this earth, that authority was limited. But now that you have died, conquered death, and resurrected, and sit now in heaven again, all authority given now back to you. And now this Jesus is saying, hold up, don't you see? Don't, don't you see that whatever it is that's in your life that would be worth you being able to say, I'll take the risk, it now can be found in me. So now all authority over not simply just earth, over heaven as well, has given to Jesus. And now, now everything becomes simple. It, it, it kind of becomes, it becomes easy. I'm, I'm going to ask for, for a little help today. Who's the smallest one? Let me get you, Dietrich. Can I get you for a minute? Come on up. And then, uh, since you're here and you're new, Eric, would you mind helping me for a moment? Why not? Why not? All right, D. So I need you to stand right here. Right? Nope, nope. Stay down. Yep, right here. Yep, you can stand up. And then, Eric, would you mind coming up right behind and standing right behind him? Thanks. Can a new person say no? They feel so much pressure. <laughs> Sorry, brother. Sorry. <laughs> so so th this is the image that I want you to have. Because when, when I was growing up, uh, there would be times when you, you go around and you have fun, but you get into a little bit of tension. You get into a little bit of drama. And sometimes you might end up in a little bit of a skirmish or what we would call a fight. And when we get into a fight, it's one-on-one. -on -one. It's me and this dude. We head up. We are we throwing hands. We, 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 we eye level. We same level. But the problem was I didn't realize that sometimes behind the person that I'm about to have this interaction with is a big brother, is a big cousin. And I learned the hard way about the power and the authority of a, of a family, of a person who's actually bigger, we learned the hard way. <laughs> that there's, when, when somebody backs you up and they got muscles like this, <laughs> this person feels a whole lot stronger. This person feels like there is no wrong that can happen. This person says, come on, bring it on, right? Bring it on. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Good job, y'all. Give them a look. Y'all can celebrate them. Amen. See, see, God is saying, I have all authority on heaven and on earth. I got your back. I truly have your back. So then what, what would stop you from these three things that are described in the next verses, what would stop you from making disciples, which is play based out in three, three expressions? What would stop you from going and going? What would stop you from going? It's interesting that there is no, like, like, like we went overseas, and uh, I, I, I'm horrible when it comes to languages. My wife catches languages quick. Sometimes I'm jealous, but usually I'm not because she understands what's going on and she translates and I'm cool. But there's two things I usually understand in no matter language we were in. Go and stop. 
The term go usually is go no matter where you go. It's pretty, it's pretty simple. It's pretty basic. It's pretty, and, and, and Jesus is saying, what would stop you from going when I got your back? What would stop you from talking to a neighbor? What would stop you from going up the street? What would stop you from going overseas? What would, what would stop you should be nothing. Because I got all authority, not just authority in your town. I've got authority in heaven and in earth. So if nothing will stop you from going, then what will stop you from baptizing? What will stop you with, with, with allowing people to experience the allegiance, the, the commitment, the connection to a God that is greater than their world? What will stop you? What will stop you from people learning about me, not just simply getting the info, not just knowing, but being able to show who I am? That's what teaching is. Teaching for us is not... A, a transfer of information. And he says it in verse 20, and teaching them to what? In verse 20, and teaching them to what? Obey. Obey. Our, our goal is not memorization. Our goal is not Bible mastery. Our goal is not like, like uh, 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 literacy, like showing our accuracy, showing how dope we are when it comes to the text. Our goal is walking out the gospel. But you can't know how to live for Jesus if you haven't read who Jesus is based on his word. So we teach the scriptures. If you knew that you would be successful every single time that you went out and did this, would you do it more? See, we don't have... A, a comprehension issue when it comes to evangelism or a comprehension issue when it comes to understanding his text. We have a belief issue in the authority of who Jesus is. He said, I got your back. Whatever enemy may come, I got you. So if you will trust in my authority to work through you, you're going to succeed. Now we got to make sure that success is defined properly. That success isn't something that's like, and you will see every single person that you talk with say, I love Jesus. They'll make you muffins in the morning. Like, 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 like you got to, we got to gauge what is our success. I do like muffins. <laughs> we, we, we've been in our, our strategic planning and we're, we're going to make this more a part of, like, every aspect of our church. But, but there's a, 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 a logo um, graphic that shows the four kind of areas of sowing, knowing, growing, and going. And, and this one specifically, this, this Matthew 28 is, is a part of that going mindset, that, that knowing experience. But, 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 but it is called the Great Commission because the, the hope and the assumption is that we will be a people who don't contain and keep the gospel just near, but that we would go and share it with others. The way we define that area of going within our church is we go forth to love people and our community in word and in deed. In word and in deed. So now I have a little quiz for you. If there's a pen by you, grab a piece of paper, because I got a little quiz. And if you're at home, you can use your ashy arm since you didn't get up and take a shower this morning, and your arm's still ash, you can write it on your arm. Okay, I'm just playing. Don't be mad. 
you get a little piece of paper. I'm going to ask you a quick question. Okay, so there was a, a total number of Jesus's interactions with unbelievers was 132. Bring that up for me, Brother Kyle. 132. If you were to divide up that 132 between interactions at the temple, at the synagogues, or in the mainstream of life, what numbers would you write? I'm going to give you 15 seconds. If you were just to take that number 132 and divide it up of Jesus' interactions with unbelieving people, what number would you give to the temple, to synagogues, and to mainstream of life? I was like, as he goes and, and crosses people. Ezra? Oh, sorry, sorry. Write it down, please. Yep. Thank you for answering. But you can't do 144 because that's the total. So it has to be those three would make up 132. But I love your, your uh, willingness. Oh, cool. All right. So I'm about, to, I'm about to switch it up. Here we go. So the answers are... He was at the temple six times. The temple is the, the place where they saw God's presence being. It was the place where uh, the sacrificing of sin, uh, sacrifices took place. Synagogues were more like, like, like communal places to meet up as Jewish people. You didn't expect for God's presence to be there, but you would still hold re- uh, meetings there as a religious people. But then... You see 122 take place as he went through life crossing people's path. How many folks felt like theirs were about close? Okay, Zay, I see you, boy. Okay. Amen. (laughs) I I put this down, family, because I want us to, to remember the posture of of Jesus's going, what it looked like for him to be evangelistic was even though spaces like this got his attention, the majority of his attention and interacting with people and people getting the gospel happened out. It happened while he was going, while he was doing life. And so what we've tried to do as a church, and I know for many of you, You could give this next part of my sermon, but I pray that you never get tired of it because my hope is, uh, as as our lead pastor some time ago used to say, uh, that our vision never leaks, that that we tried to make an easy connection for all of MacAvers by starting our nonprofit Mac development. So our church name is Mac Avenue Community Church. That's our our logo, our, our, our church name, and then we created, uh-oh, that's our logo, our, you can give me what our logo for the church, there we go, that's our logo for the church, okay, okay, out of the church logo, we then have Mac Development, which uh, is an expression, it is a ministry arm of our church, and Mac Development has a number of gospel-centered expressions, has community engagement, has 48214 care, has Mac Sports, Missions Teams, Mac Education, Mac Lit, 
has uh, the lot next door that we're going to be renovating for uh, community uh, use. We have MacLego. We have the Commons. We have our corridor plan where we want to see the entire Mac corridor, Mac app corridor uh, thriving uh, for God's glory. Um, and we have a desire to see housing take place in our community, Mac housing. The team that is set to help us achieve this is, and they were at our gala a couple weeks ago looking amazing, absolutely amazing and they are some fun people too uh they get a little bit wild sometimes you know what i'm saying they like get a little they get a little crazy <laughs> but but if i go back up if i go back up to those to those ministry expressions max sports max missions mac lip the the reason why we have these is to try to make busy people have easier on ramps to cross paths with believers. We do not care about being the best, most well-known, biggest funded, even though that's not true, like, like nonprofit in Detroit. Those are not our goals. Our goals are that people would be able to experience Jesus, period. Period. And our goal is that our church would see it as a ministry and would see it as, oh, this is a place where I can go and cross paths with people with an easy setup. So while our kids are playing soccer or basketball or, or while people are coming to fill out hope applications, I can be there praying or I can come grab a coffee and somebody grab a coffee next to me or do my laundry or, 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 or. Now the hope is you wouldn't feel overwhelmed and I and I see what the Lord has done is he's blessed us in some ways to give us a lot of opportunities we never want you to feel like those opportunities are something that you're expected to do all of them and I forgot to get a good picture which I don't think we got one Scott but a good picture of the board too because the board uh, supports Mac development does from behind the scenes in a leadership capacity but we would never want you to feel like all of those things of the commons, housing, like we want you in everything. No. But if you're like, man, I realize that God has all authority. He has my back and he wants to see me flourish for the sake of his kingdom. But I don't know where. Or it sometimes feels overwhelming for me to like start up a conversation with three neighbors and try to have them over for coffee. Like I cool, like, we all are different, wired differently. But I can come help Marilyn at Maglip. I can get to know one family in tutoring and pray with them. I can come to the commons and talk with the sisters there. And at times, if, if you stay at the commons long enough, they'll tell you a need. Grace will be like, go pray with her. You know what I'm saying? Like, like <laughs> stuff, goes, stuff goes down. And, and here's the crazy part, and, and uh, Tamara will attest to it, Edith will, like, like, there have been times when just from a Mac member, and not that there's something special about us, but meaning that there are people who love Jesus, there have been times when the Jesus-loving people come into the comments and the environment changes. Amen. I know the songs would be like, you know, uh, um, 
shift the atmosphere and all that. And sometimes you can be like, what are they trying to do? No, it's real. People that love God make a difference. And what we are trying to offer through Mac Development is space and ease of opportunity for God's authority to just work through you. Now there are seasons of life where maybe you can be present more Mac Development than you can. And like, there's, there's no, have you served in your five Mac Development opportunities today? You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't get down like that. What we do say, though, is it's ours. Mac Development is ours. It is ours, y'all. It, it is an expression of this ministry, of this church. And so at the least, you know people who serve there and you can be praying for them. You can cross paths with them and say, how you doing? What, no, I know. what can I really be praying about? Or you can get involved yourself in varying ways. Why? Because we are committed to what we painted on the side of the building. We had this beautiful mural done by uh, out of BC, Okoye, I think it is. I got I, I got to get his last name. I know it's O K E Y E. Um, it's just a beautiful mural uh, that this brother did some years ago. But if you're not like Sometimes I don't know what murals say because it's so artistic I can't read what they say. It's gonna be real with you. Yup, I'm got. I, I'm older now. It is what it is. But I'm gonna zoom in on what our words say on the side of the beautiful image. It says, "Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations." This Matthew 28. This is what we are about as God's people because his authority is behind us. And then we're going to scroll back up to the last verse within this section. And it simply says, verse 20, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. My authority is with you. Wherever you go, what you are doing for my glory, my presence is with you. This is what he told the 11. The 11 that were heartbroken, the 11 that were shattered, the 11 whose lives seemed to be crumbling, and that 11 went out and changed the world. We are the fruit of the 11's faithfulness, but not because of the 11's strength, not because of their wisdom, not because of the, the, get, the, the, the ingenuity they had and the tenacity. We are a part of the body of Christ because of the authority that worked through them. And that same authority wants to work in us. Let us pray together. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for you taking our church body through a focus on evangelism over this past year. And I thank you, Father, for growing us, moving in us, helping us. Lord, you have allowed heaven and earth to come underneath your mighty, powerful hand. 
Help us to remember that when we feel nervous. Help us to remember that when we are worried. Help us to remember the disciples, Lord, when we have doubts. That the doubts didn't stop them, Lord, but they continued on listening to you, trusting in you, and allowing your authority to work through them. Let it work through us. In Jesus' name we pray.